Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. When four witnesses see a UFO for the first time, they expect they're going to see something from beyond the stars. But instead, they find themselves staring at a craft that looks a little more homegrown. And then we meet a young couple who's going through a bit of a rough patch. And unfortunately, their relationship ends in the most tragic of ways. But when the young man tries to pick up the pieces of his life, he realizes things aren't over just yet. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too, and I hope you guys had an awesome weekend. I had a great weekend. I went to the circus. I've never been to the circus before. There's a traveling circus in the Pacific Northwest going on right now called Monster Mash Circus. It was really cool. It was really cool. You can tell by the art for this episode that I met a Transformer. Bumblebee, not the coolest Transformer, but, you know, you're just going to get your picture taken with any of them. Bumblebee's not bad. I'm more of an Optimus Prime guy, but it was pretty dope. (laughs) You're like, Jason, you know there wasn't the real Bumblebee, right? Well, I don't know. I don't know. He did run off quickly. I'm sure he had a mission to go on. But uh, it was fun. I've never been to the circus before. The Joker showed up and he had a crossbow. (laughs) He held us up. He made us buy a bunch of souvenirs and then he left. I don't know what that trick was. No, there was like a trick crossbow gun guy and a tightrope girl and a clown got kicked in the butt a couple times. It was awesome. That was, that was before the circus started. That was just out in the parking lot waiting to get in line. It was fantastic. If you guys live in the Pacific Northwest, I'd recommend checking out Monster Mash Circus. It was dope. I liked it. I really enjoyed it. Never been to a circus before. And I met a real life Transformer. But someone who's always hanging out with the Transformers Someone who doesn't have to pay $5 to get their photo taken with one running into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Everyone give it up for Klaus Seifert. Woohoo, yeah! <laughs> he's doing cartwheels, he's dancing on in, he's a clown. Dance, 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 dance. Klaus Seifert performing his way into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Klaus made a very generous donation to dead rabbit radio so you are going to be our captain our pilot this episode today if you guys can't support the show financially i totally understand i really do just help spread the word about dead rabbit radio 
That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. Klaus, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. Everyone hop on board as Klaus drives us out of our command center all the way down to Washington. Nice leisurely drive. Maybe we'll see the uh, Monster Mash Circus again. <laughs> we'll go there instead of doing this story and I'm eating some popcorn. Pay another five bucks, get another picture taken with Bumblebee. I swear he's real. I can smell the motor oil on his breath. We're headed out to Toppenish, Washington. It's July 4th, 1977. 7.45 at night. Now what's interesting is the, the story I'm about to tell you about, it's quite brief. And I feel, so some of this stuff we're going to have to make guesses on. And really that's the first part. None of the fantastical stuff, they went into great detail about what they actually saw, but the story starts off with four witnesses see this thing, and I'm assuming that they were having a 4th of July party. I'm assuming it's 1977, it's July 4th, they're probably out celebrating the birth of the nation of the United States, eating hot dogs, waving flags, probably drinking beers, kicking back. None of that was in the... <laughs> that actually has any bearing on this story. Well, I guess the... I guess the multiple drinking might. But we just have this story. These four witnesses were out on a July 4th night. So they're probably hanging out. We don't even know the relation between the four witnesses. Best friends? Were they two carloads of two people each driving down the road? Four carloads of one person each driving down the road? Were these all strangers? We don't know. This report was given by a woman. We're going to call her Caroline. She said, I was standing with three other witnesses. And we saw a UFO. The stereotypical flying disc type of craft. She said it's hovering there, fairly close to them. Because they get a good look at it. She said it was about 20 feet in diameter, which is huge. Huge ship, and it's hovering there. And while it looks like a normal flying saucer, what we consider to be a flying saucer, this one actually has the disc shape and then some sort of glass enclosure in the middle where you can see into the craft. And I don't know if that is specifically a dome in the middle or if there was a, at one point they said the middle was spinning, so it almost might be like an Oreo cookie where there's like a glass covered in two metal pieces, top and bottom, and the glass is spinning while the UFO is floating there. But typical disc-shaped vehicle. The reason why I keep nailing that term, typical, typical, because really, once you get outside the physical shape of this, nothing is typical about this type of UFO that these people are seeing. These things are almost always perfectly designed. Not a single rivet is seen. They look like they're fused out of one piece of metal, which right away says this isn't on Earth because we can't do that. Definitely not back then. But no rivets, no bolts, nothing, no seams. Everyone talks about how these vehicles look like. It's just a singular piece of metal. Even if it is two pieces stuck together where... 
where there would be glass in the middle of it or a glass dome on top of it. You would it would look as if it was one organic piece. So the fact that Caroline sees this, she does not describe it as a glittering, stainless, possible steel, possible metal from another planet, some element we've never heard of. No, it's primer gray. It's a very dull color. A very recognizable color. It also, they're close enough to view this. This is so weird. She can see visible welding marks on this craft. She can actually see where it was pieced together. This thing was manufactured. I mean, probably on Earth. This ha- there's no other UFO I've come across where you you can actually see the welding marks. And you think, well, it, this would make sense. An alien crashes. They need to repair their ship. They may not have access to all... They obviously wouldn't have access to all the technology from their home or from their mothership. They would just have to weld together the pieces that they have. And the aliens could be flying in a jury-rigged craft the same way that if a bunch of expert sailors crashed a boat on an island because they weren't that expert but they crash a boat they'll be able to rebuild the boat but it won't look pretty it'll be seaworthy but it's not gonna look really nice but as this craft is hovering over this group of witnesses they are able to see the occupants as well inside were humans Not captive humans. Not aliens that looked like humans. Humans. She said, we looked into the craft and we counted about six to seven humans standing there. Wearing lab coats. They were wearing the stereotypical white lab coat. One of the men was wearing a red tie. One of the women, one of the women scientists in this UFO was wearing a pair of glasses that Caroline said looked like they were from the 1950s. She said as the craft hovered above them, it played a musical tune. She said we could clearly hear a song, a musical song in chimes, not unlike the song from an ice cream truck. (laughs) Actually, that's not the ice cream truck song. What's the, oh. She didn't say actually was that song. I do love that song. That's one of my favorite songs. She said this UFO... You're like, she said these people were clearly drunk. It was a 4th of July party. They were drinking a lot. This UFO has has welding marks on it. It's piloted by humans in lab coats. It's playing a jaunty musical tune that has the same type of sound. Not necessarily the same tune, but the same sound you would hear coming from an ice cream truck. The craft then 
sped off into the sky and began to execute these rapid back and forth maneuvers in the sky and then shot off into the distance until it was no longer visible. It's interesting. I got this story from thinkaboutitdocs.com. We haven't covered them in a while. What's interesting is that thinkaboutitdocs.com, we've been using them for years. Links in the show notes, obviously, but we've used them for years. This is, I think, the first time we've come across one where they don't give a source for their story. They're very, very good at sourcing stuff. No matter how old it is, no matter what country it comes from, they can always say the name of a magazine, if the, even if the magazine is long defunct. I was surprised. This story has zero source. And I just wanted to note that because normally that's not the case. So I don't know if this was reported directly to somebody who works at thinkaboutitdocs.com. If it was reported directly even to... A lot of times they'll just say, you know, it was on this AOL message board in 2002. Like, their sourcing's normally that good. So I don't know how they got a hold of this story. But it's quite odd in the world of UFOlogy because of the description of the craft. But the, the what I think, when I read this, this is what it sounds like to me. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But I remember growing up, the 50s was considered super lame. The 50s was something that nerds liked, like Leave it to Beaver stuff. Like, people didn't like the 50s in the 80s. People didn't like the 50s in the 90s either. I remember the 90s was more about, like, the 60s, like the retro craze. Like, I remember the 50s was super lame. And the reason why I bring that up is... And I I honestly feel like the retro movement... I could be wrong on this. I'm not a big fashion guy. I honestly think the retro movement started more in the 80s. Where it was about looking into the past. We're like, look how cool the 60s were. I think. I could be wrong on that. The reason why I'm honing in on that is because the woman scientist wearing the 50s glasses, you could say she's wearing glasses from the 50s for one of two reasons. One, she is a forward thinker. She's not just a scientist, but she's a fashionista. She has a passion for fashion, and she wants to show the world that even though she's just wearing this plain old lamp coat, she can still rock a pair of glasses like none other. And because she's such a forward thinker, she's retro as well, and she's rocking a pair of 50s glasses in the year 1977. You're like, whoa, 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 you've totally glossed over the fact that it was a homemade UFO piloted by humans you're really fixated on these glasses well here's my thing i am fixated on the glasses because yes we do have a homemade ufo and yes we do have humans piloting one why are you so fixated on these glasses well i don't think she had a passion for fashion i think this ufo was built in the 1950s i think the scientists on board this vehicle were from the era of those glasses. They were the retro element. All of them. The UFO and the scientists on board had traveled into the future. It's crazy to think about, but all these stories about 
countries having these UFOs that crash and the government's trying to reverse engineer them, this is what they would look like. They would look piecemeal. They would look similar and they would function if you could get the engine to work or whatever propulsion system, whatever whatever term they use. But it would look like it was made on Earth by humans because it was made on Earth by humans. I'm wondering if this was a UFO that was made based on the technology of a recovered, crashed alien vehicle. They couldn't get everything quite right, but they didn't want to. That wasn't the point. The point wasn't to disguise it as an alien UFO. The point was, does it work? Does this work? You have some general yelling at a bunch of scientists being like, I don't care if it's one seam. I don't care if it's a thousand seams. Does it work? Can it get you from point A to point B? The scientists go, it won't only get us from point A to point B. This will get us throughout the entire alphabet. The general says, what does that mean? He goes, well, time travel, time travel, general. That's what I mean. We might be able to move forward in time. And honestly, it's possible that this UFO was built. They were able to hook up this propulsion system, this alien propulsion system to this vehicle. They may have not known they were in the year 1977. Because without any sort of gauge, without any sort of chronometer, any sort of way to tell that you're going into the future, if you took a vehicle from 1950s and ended up in 1977, Washington, over a 4th of July party, the only thing you would probably pick up on is those people are dressed funny. Unless they had visible technology that was 20 years advanced. Unless they're like, what? what's that box they're listening to? Where's their record player? How come they're not listening to Benny Youngman or whatever that guy's name was? If you, if you time traveled five years into the future at a random point in your country, would you be able to tell you were five years in the future? Would you be able to tell you were 20 years in the future? If you stumbled across four people at a random point in your country, would you really know? But it's a really interesting story. It's super interesting. It's possible. That's what I think. I think this is reverse engineered. It has all of the abilities of a UFO, but it doesn't look like one. It's definitely not piloted by the people who pilot one. And I think those 1950s glasses, if she didn't have those, I would just assume, yeah, the reverse engineered some guys on the other side of the country that weekend were taking it for a joyride. Slash scientific experiment. That's what they told their superiors. The fact that she's wearing those old glasses makes me think time travel, which isn't out of the realm for UFOs. UFOs have so much. They're so often messing with time and space. Sometimes in little ways, like lost time, we just assume the aliens are wiping your mind. I think you would definitely have to have an element of time travel if you were traversing these vast distances that they supposedly do across the galaxy, across the universe. Klaus, you know, we don't need some lame old UFO made by a bunch of nerds in the 1950s. We got the Carpenter Collector. <laughs> You're like, oh man, can we take that UFO? No! Klaus, put on your flight suit. We're all climbing into the Gardener Copter. Klaus is going to fly us out of Washington and all the way out to the home 
of a young couple. The year is 2021. We're about to meet this young couple. We don't have their exact names, but we're going to go ahead and call the man Eric and his girlfriend Rebecca. And Eric is the one explaining to us, hey guys, I know me and Rebecca have been together for a long time, but it just doesn't seem to be working out. It's been a rocky ride for a bit, and I think it's time that I break up with Rebecca. And so he does. He actually does talk to Rebecca about this and says, I just feel like the longer we're together, the more and more distant we become. It should be the reverse. This just isn't working out. I I think we're both going to be better off if we separate, move on with our lives. He kind of lays it out very logically for Rebecca. Says this is the best for both of us. It's not that I don't like you. It's just that we're growing apart instead of building a life together. A few months after the breakup, Rebecca dies. And Eric, Eric posted this online. He he had a kind of an interesting way of summing all of this up because obviously we're just getting his side of the story but this is what he says quote speaking about her death he goes quote the reason is not available to the public eye so as far as the breakup being the reason quote the reason is not available to the public eye anyways i believe she offed herself because of our breakup unquote What's interesting, so that happened in 2021. So, December 2022 is when Eric starts to notice little things going missing around his house. He doesn't think anything of it. None of us really do. We we're always have little things missing. Where did I put my keys? Where did I put my CD? Where did I put this, that, or the other thing? It happens so often we don't chalk it up to paranormal events. We especially wouldn't connect it to a paranormal event that may have been birthed, may have found its origin two years previous in 2021 when Rebecca killed herself, but doesn't really think anything of it at all. Now we're in June, July of 2023. Eric comes home from one of his classes. He's in college. He comes home from one of his classes. He walks into his place, and his entire kitchen is completely trashed. Garbage can knocked over, fridge door wide open, cabinets all opened up. He said one cabinet door was so violently thrown open, it was barely still hanging on by the hinges. And the kitchen light wouldn't work. Which, really, in the list of things, that, that's normal. Light bulbs burn out. Probably shouldn't have mentioned that <laughs> Probably shouldn't have mentioned that one first. It shouldn't have been the climax. But anyways, refrigerator doors all open. Probably all your food is spoiled. Butter is melting. Cabinet Cabinets open. And, again, you don't immediately think ghost. 
if this happened to you in a vacuum, you'd call the police. And that's what he did. He called the police. The police came out. And there was no sign of a break-in. There was a sign of breaking cabinet doors. The cop said as a pun. But there's no sign of a break-in. They said you should set up some security cameras. Which I'm sure cops love. Because then they don't really have to work that much. Now they just have to like drive around and arrest people. They don't even have to investigate. But anyway, set up some security cameras. Now we're in August. August 2023. August 14th, 15th is where he placed this at. And Eric goes, I've moved on with my life at this point. I got a new girlfriend. I don't even think about Rebecca anymore. She doesn't even cross my mind from time to time. Like, I don't think about her. But... This particular night, Eric was having a nightmare where he saw Rebecca sitting on his couch. Eric starts walking towards her, but before he can reach her, her head rolls off of her body. That was supposed to be Goofy showing up. (laughs) That was the sound of her severed head. I wonder if she cut her head off to kill herself. There was the sound of her head rolling off of her shoulders. And he's shocked. He's absolutely shocked when he sees this image. And then in his head, he begins to hear Rebecca's voice chant, I still love you. 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 And he wakes up. And he said, listen, this dream came out of nowhere. I don't even think about Rebecca anymore. I've completely moved on with my life. Have a new girl. I, I, I've I, just gotten over it. So the dream came out of nowhere. August 17th, 2023. August 16th, 2023. Eric is walking through his house. He's walking down the stairs and he feels something trip him. An unknown force trips him as he's walking down the stairs. He begins to tumble down, lands at the bottom. And as he's trying to get back to his feet, something violently pushes him down from behind. Pushing him back onto the ground. He ends his post by saying, I drew the line after that event, got out of that house, and went to my buddies. And now I'm on here seeking for advice on what I should do. He posted this on the paranormal subreddit. He got a lot of comments on this post he posted it on the paranormal subreddit which is the place i think if you were a reddit user you know i'm not a huge fan of reddit um if you're a reddit user that would be the place you'd go obviously it's the biggest paranormal subreddit and and, you know he got different levels of advice some of it was religious saying you know you can find safety in um jesus you know if it's a demon that would definitely work some people were telling him to sage the house 
One person asked if Rebecca happened to be a scientist who faked her own death and created a cloaking suit, like the um, 2020 movie The Invisible Man. So not everything was helpful. It was interesting, though. It was interesting, though. A lot of people were clowning on him because he didn't seem to have the appropriate amount of grief. Using the term off yourself does seem very callous, but you do have, when someone commits suicide, your life doesn't come to a standstill. You do have to continue on. I, I understand that thing. Um, but he did respond to a little bit of it, and he's just trying to figure out what it could be. He's never posted anything after that initial day. Even when he responded to stuff, it was all on that same day, and then nothing. Could be a LARP. Right? A lot of this stuff could be LARPs. It's weird because he didn't, I mean, didn't go anywhere. Generally, a LARP, he would continue a week later saying, she's possessed my current girlfriend. What do I do? You know what I mean? Like, this stuff kind of expires on. This, I mean, obviously, the dramatic answer is he's dead. (laughs) Whatever, he had a previous account. This was probably a throwaway account. And he didn't post after this because... She got him. Ghost killing people. I say this all the time in the podcast, but I do think it bears repeating. Ghost killing people is very rare. You see it a lot in the movies, but it's very rare in the real world. What I find most interesting about this story, it is a very dynamic ghost, is there's a key component to this. The amount of time it takes. This is <laughs> you're like Jason Gray. This is where he goes off. Uh, pontificating about the science of ghosts because this is the type of stuff I love the amount of time it took for her to manifest if this is a true story this could be an a a semi-accurate gauge of how long it takes for a ghost to manifest itself if it's a fake story if I got fooled sorry for wasting everybody's time but if it is a true account That's interesting that it didn't happen. The activity didn't start right away. So you start to ask these questions as a paranormal researcher. What was the spirit doing in that period of time? Why did it take two years to start doing things? And what's interesting as well, I know I keep using that word, but I just find this story so fascinating, is that the ramp up. Where first it's the little things being moved. Because a ghost... Let's do through the timeline. You blow your brains out. You're a ghost. You're a ghost. You're a spirit. You're floating around. And I think it would be... Whatever... First off, I mean, really the big mechanism is... Not everyone's a ghost. So there has to be some form of afterlife that spirits go to. Because otherwise there would be billions of ghosts out there. And we don't see anything close to that. So whether it's reincarnation, whether it's heaven or hell, whether it's purgatory, whether it's whatever. The vast majority of the dead goes into this quote unquote proper death stage. But not everyone goes because if everyone entered the proper afterlife, there would be no ghosts. And if nobody did, there would be billions of ghosts so you this would be my takeaway is that if you died and you don't for whatever reason go into the proper death channels you don't go into the waiting room or you don't immediately go to the pearly gates or whatever it is 
I imagine it would take a while for you to gain your bearings. We do have stories of ghosts appearing very shortly after they die. I have one coming up. It's a pretty crazy one. I think it'll... I, I actually got to find it. It might be another week or two, but... Of a ghost instantly appearing. Instantly. But they're fleeting. They're just kind of standing there. Someone's dead. I think we've covered one or two in the past, but someone dies and then their friend or their loved one is standing there and then they see the ghost of the person who just died standing over the body. And then the ghost disappears. Like we've come across stories like that. I definitely have one coming up. Those ghosts you can't really interact with. We have stories of loved ones being contacted by their dead relatives. (laughs) Klaus, this this episode is like one of the most depressing lately. Uh, your mom dies and you see her in a dream that night. You know, we have ghosts that are super fast acting like that. But usually there is like a a very, very close component, uh, like relationship there, which is what Erica and Rebecca had. But, you know, they'd broken up. They'd broken up for a couple months when this happened. But even then, it's not necessarily that your mom has the ability to steal things. She can appear to you in the dream. You might catch a, a scent, her favorite perfume. You smell it in the living room or whatever. Being able to move things, being able to manipulate things, I imagine would take time. The same way that we know it takes a baby Time to just even recognize the permanence of objects. Like a baby who's like under age one or two, if you put a ball in a box, they think the ball's gone forever. And then they learn that that's not the case. And I imagine that it's so chaotic to be dead and not go through the proper channels that it takes a while to realize just what's going on. Just to understand your new reality. Your new form. And then at that point. This is all conspiracy cap right? This is all guesswork. Based on research. I'm not an expert. No one's an expert on the paranormal. If anyone ever tells you they're an expert on the paranormal. Check your wallet. Make sure it's still in your back pocket. Because we're all just guessing. We all have years or decades in this. But it's all guesswork. You have a new form. You're in a body, quote unquote, a body that doesn't have to follow any of the the rules you spent your entire life learning. Things like gravity, things like solid barriers being impassable, teleportation, all sorts of things, right? Invisibility. I told these things aren't true. It would take you a while to get used to that. And it could take you a while to manifest, actually gain the energy to be able to physically move something. Again, back to the baby. Baby has muscles in its arms, but it can't even move. Like, it just rolls around. It has muscles in its neck, but they're so underdeveloped. The head's like, rolling around and stuff like that. They look just so goofy the way babies are constantly just like jiggling around. They have all the same organs we do. All the same musculature, but it's not developed. They have to learn to use it and has to gain strength as well. They have to eat the right types of foods, little baby foods. I think the ghost also has to learn to develop and learn how to move. And at the same time, like, what's its goal? 
This is a vengeance spirit. The second Rebecca realized what she was, it seems like she had one goal in mind. She didn't want to visit her loved ones and let them know that she was okay. She didn't want to explore the wonders of the planet in this phantasmal form. She wanted revenge. She learned to move items not so she could send messages of hope from the other side. She moved items to piss off her ex-boyfriend. Everything she's been working towards has been this. Moving the items, trashing his kitchen, throwing all of his food around, ruining it. And then I almost feel... I feel like she would have pushed him down the stairs if she could have that first day. She had to manifest that level. First, it took her two years. She was probably, it's creepy to think, she's probably been standing behind him for the past two years. She just couldn't do anything. She could have been silently screaming in his ear while he was sleeping. And he didn't know it because she didn't have enough energy to be heard. But when he's walking out with his date hand in hand down the street, she's right behind them. Because she's not limited to where she killed herself. He's in a different place. I mean, that's what I would assume from this. I think he probably would have notated, yeah, she killed herself in the house I'm living in. He didn't necessarily state that. So she's definitely not restricted to where... It could be, right? I think that his house is haunted, but I think he's haunted. And while you think it takes a lot of energy to trash a kitchen, it does... It takes far more energy for a ghost to attack a human. For whatever reason. For whatever reason. But I don't think it's limited to the house. I think him saying, I'm going to stay at my buddy's house. One, it implies that he's going to have someone to hang out with. But two, I think he's thinking he'll be safe. I think saging the house won't help. I think she's haunting him. And I think she's been haunting him for two years. And it's taken her that long to just start to hide little things around his apartment. And then it took her a few more months. Took her two years just to be able to hide a comb that he was looking for. And then from December to July, she gained the ability to completely trash a room. Rip, pretty much rip a cabinet door off the shelf. And then from June, July to August... The ability to push him down the stairs and then shove him back down as he's trying to stand up. Exponential power growth in this thing. And it's a very, very interesting timeline. If this story is true, we have a possible timeline. It may take two years from the death to the point where it can start to make things disappear. I think it takes a period of time. And I think it takes a motivation as well. She's very, very, very angry at him. I don't even think that... I think that's underplaying how she feels. That's interesting. We have a timeline and then her motivation is what's powering her. If she was just morose, right? If she had killed herself because she didn't see her life going anywhere and she just felt like she was stuck... 
And it was just, or a chemical depression as well. It was something that no one brought on, but just the way she saw the world and she killed herself, she still may manifest as a spirit, but I don't think it would be a violent spirit because there would be no one to act out the violence against. But she has a target. What I think is really interesting is just like a lot of psychopaths, because unfortunately, whoever Rebecca was before this moment, she has become very dark and twisted. She's trying to kill him. She's trying to kill him at this point. Whoever she was in life, she has become someone else in death. Because he didn't describe her as a psychopath. He didn't say, I broke up with her because she would always trash my kitchen. I was always trying to bake stuff. I'd come home, everything was trash. He didn't have really anything negative to say about her in the beginning. So she probably was just a, you know, normal person. But what's interesting is that even in that very very evil psychopathic behavior she's engaging in now after death she did i believe give him an out and that was the dream she came to him in the dream and said i still love you and he rejected her He thought that was weird, right? He had that dream and he goes, that's weird. I haven't thought about Rebecca in such a long time. Why am I even having that dream? That was disturbing. Goes on with his day. She gave him an out. She gave him an opportunity to reach out into the spirit world. And you not you don't have to get a medium or anything like that. Just to have a conversation out loud being like, Rebecca, I'm really sorry about what happened between us. I feel that the reason why you took your life was because of me. Nobody else knows that. And that's the thing. Remember, he goes, it wasn't available to the public. Her parents probably don't know really why. Her friends probably don't know really why. They're probably still grieving two years on. I mean... Someone kills himself and you just can't figure... You never know why, right? It always seems like just such an awful option. Barring some sort of like end-of-life health crisis, right? You got six months to live. People know why you killed yourself, right? They're like, okay, well, you killed yourself now. Or you, we're going to die six months in hospice. But he could have had a heart-to-heart and said, Rebecca, listen, I'm really sorry about what happened. I truly am. I have moved on with my life because I've had to, but... Don't think that I don't regret, even if you got to lie, right? Even if you have to lie to the spirit. Sometimes the lie is more soothing than the truth. I can tell you right now, she read this Reddit post. I can tell you right now, Rebecca was probably standing behind him as he was typing this out. Because wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? You can lie. You can lie and just be like... Rebecca, I'm so sorry that I broke up with you. I regret it every single day. I know it looks like I've moved on. You you can't read minds, right? You're a ghost, but you're not telepath. I want you to know that every single day I think about you. I think about you when I see a smiling child. And I think that could have been a child that Rebecca and I had together. I think about you when I watch the sunset and regret the fact that we won't watch the sun rise together. I think about you 
every single day. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry what I did. I'm sorry what I said. Sorry how I made you feel. I still love you, Rebecca. And I always will. That's all you had to say, bro. That's all you had to say. She gave you the out. I don't even know this girl. And I broke up with her better. Okay? That's all you had to say. And I think that's what she wanted to hear. And what was his response? He wrote out his response. I don't really think about her that much anymore. Thought it was a weird dream. She gave him one last chance. And even though she was a spirit stuck between the land of the living and the world of the dead, that doesn't mean that she still couldn't have her heart broken. But he broke it. He shattered it once again. And now, she's going to kill him. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>